What a blessing to be at church today, isn't it? And now we've, we've had a beautiful breaking of bread, and every Sunday it is a blessing to our hearts. And now we have the opportunity to look at the Word of God. The Word of God is the greatest source of blessing that you could ever have. You know, it's amazing how few people, though, avail themselves of reading the Bible nowadays. It's still the number one bestseller in the world, and yet so many people don't even know what the Bible says. They don't know what it teaches. They don't know about how much God loves them and wants to save them and give them eternal life and give them a joyful and peaceful life, and it's so sad. But we're thankful that we've been saved by the blood of the Lamb, we've been given God's Word, and we can rejoice in all of that. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Father, we're humble this morning by the fact that you've saved us by your grace. And we're on a journey to heaven, Lord. And until we get there, we have the privilege of serving you each and every day of our lives. We thank you that the strength you've given us, the gifts and abilities and talents you've given us to serve you. And we long to serve you every day because of what you've done for us on the cross. And we pray now that you will Hide me behind the cross, Lord. Speak through your word. May it be an encouragement and challenge to our lives. And we pray that you will be glorified today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you can ask yourself today, what makes you the happiest? What do you do in life that makes you the happiest? Some people say, well, I'm, when I, I'm happiest when I can do a certain sport, or I can be involved in a certain hobby, or I complete a, a project that goes really well. But for the child of God, there's no higher privilege, no greater blessing than to be able to serve the Lord. To me, that's what my life is about. It's about serving the Lord. All the other things are superfluous to that. I go to work, I make money to support myself, to serve the Lord. The Lord gives us health and strength, so that we can serve him. And that's the greatest thing about it. Because when all is said and done in life, everything that we have in this world, we're going to leave it behind. And only the things that we take to heaven with us are our souls and with the other people that we win to the Lord and the blessing that we can be to others along the way of life. Serving the Lord has extreme benefits. Like when you start a job, you want to know how much is the salary and how much is the benefits. Well, in the spiritual life, the benefits that we have in Christ are so tremendous. And one of the greatest ones of all is to be able to serve the Lord. And that's a privilege that we have. And as children of God, we should be thankful for it. D.L. Moody once said this. He said, Paul sums up five things that God uses. Let's see if we fall into these categories. The weak things, the foolish things, the base things, the despised things, and the things which are not. You know, God looks out into the world and he chooses his vessels. He chooses who he wants to serve him. And it's such a privilege. We don't deserve it, do we? We're saved by his grace. He chooses us. He raises us up. He gives us ministries to serve him with, talents and abilities. And it's, it's our joy to serve the Lord. The title of our message today is The Delightful Duty. Delightful Duty. And when you think about a duty, sometimes it's not always a positive connotation, isn't it? When you say you have to do your duty, I have to do my duty. It's not always easy and it's not always something we choose to do. But we always hear about it as a duty. 
But for the Christian, the duty that we have is to serve the Lord, and it is a delightful duty. It's not something we have to do as, as much as it, it's something we want to do. And he gives us the pleasure of serving him while we're here on this earth. And the word duty can be defined as the obedience or respect that one should show to one's parents, older people, etc. Conduct based on moral or legal obligation or sense of propriety. Any action, task, etc. required by or relating to one's occupation or profession. And we are privileged to serve the Lord. Today we're going to look at three things from the Word of God. Number one, whom do we serve? Number two, why do we serve? And number three, what will we receive as a result of our service for the Lord? Turn with me to Luke chapter 17 today. We'll read three verses as our main text. Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 7, 7 through 10. Here the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to the people and he says, And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and sit down and eat? But he will, will he not rather say to him, Prepare something for my supper, and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterwards you will eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did that which were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say we are unprofitable servants or unworthy servants. We have done what was our duty to do. It's amazing. We as Christians have a duty to do for the Lord and we have duties, plural, that we have to do. And we want to complete them with his strength, with his power, and we want to give him all the glory but it is a delightful duty. It's not like we are under obligation as much as we're under the obligation of love. So we're going to look about, first of all, whom do we serve? We serve the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins. How can we ever repay that debt of love we owe to the Savior? We really can't. But one way we can do our best to do it is to serve him willingly faithfully and obediently every day of our lives. Because one day we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account for what we have done and what we have said in this world. And some will receive rewards for what they have done and others will suffer loss. But praise be to God, it is a privilege to serve the Lord. He's the greatest master. Ada was mentioning in Bible study on Wednesday night that when a woman is married to a man, a wife, she doesn't have a hard time obeying and submitting to her husband when he's a good husband. And, and she then loves him and submits to him and he loves her as Christ loved the church. And both are responsibilities given. And when we have a savior like we have, who's so kind and so compassionate and so gentle and so merciful with us, do we not want to serve him with all our hearts and give him everything? As we sang in that hymn this morning, give of your best to the master. Give of the strength of your youth. We want to give him everything. You know, it was pretty exciting. We didn't know after the breaking of bread we were going to have such great news today from uh, from Matt and Sophia. 
Uh, we might have kind of noticed them being together and everything like that. And I always pray for, for Matt and it's always good to see him. And, and Sophia, we love both of them very much. But when we saw them come up, we knew something was going on. We knew something was going to happen. And sure enough, we found out they're engaged and they're going to be married and they're going to be together in our church family. And it's such a blessing. And such a blessing to have the Lord in our lives because He makes the difference. You know, you can come from all kinds of different backgrounds, different cultures, different parts of the world. But when you have Jesus Christ, you come as one body and one fellowship with Him. And it's so exciting to me to see how many people in our church are serving the Lord in some capacity, one way or the other. And the Lord is pleased by that. And He loves to see us serving Him with a willing heart. And our master is the greatest master. And you know, when the Lord Jesus Christ, before he went to the cross, was in the upper room, and we remember the story, the greatest master, the greatest Lord and Savior, and he got down on his hands and his knees with water and a towel, and he washed his disciples' feet. And he says, as I have done this unto you, you do this unto each other. In other words, as I have served you and I am your master, I'm your teacher, I'm your king, I'm your God. And I am down here washing your feet. Go out and wash the feet of others. And washing the feet is really a symbol of how we serve each other, how we give our all to the Lord and and minister to each other. And it's very, very important to do. In the Old Testament, when someone was purchased As a servant, they took their place in the house of that master and they worked for seven years. And boy, some of them probably said, I want these seven years to go fast. I want to finish up this duty and I want to be done. And as soon as that seven years is up, I'm out of here. And then sometimes some of them got married while they were in the house of their master. The master gave them a wife. They got married. They had kids. And when the seven years was up, that servant had to make a choice. Was he going to go out free and go on his own? Or did he love his master so much that he would willingly choose to stay and be a permanent servant in in that master's house? And there's a a verse that's so encouraging from the scriptures in in two verses in Exodus chapter 21 and verses 5 and 6. We're familiar with it, many of us, if not all. It says, but if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges and he shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost. And his master shall pierce his ear with an awl and he shall serve him forever. This is the choice that you and I have made as Christians. Nobody has put us under any obligation to do it. We have willingly chosen to serve the Lord Jesus. We have gone and said, Lord, I love you. You have loved me and given your life for me. And I want to serve you all the days of my life with the strength that you have given me, with the ability that you have given me. Can we say that to the Lord Jesus today? Lord Jesus, you're my master. I love you. I want to serve you forever. I commit myself to it. And you know, those servants had the little mark in their ear for the rest of their lives to signify that little hole that was bore in the, in the earlobe that they were a servant of that master. They wouldn't change their mind. They couldn't change their mind. They made their commitment. And we have made our commitment to Christ. No turning back that we want to serve him every day until he comes. And it's a duty, but it's a delightful duty. 
There was a man named Peter T. Forsyth that was right when he said, the first duty of every soul is not to find its freedom, but to find its master. And Jesus is our master. And he's a good master. You know, you kids that go into school, you know, one of the best things about school, if you want to have a good class and a good quarter or a semester, you have to have a good teacher, right? The best classes I ever had in school were where I had a teacher that was passionate about it, that cared about me as a person, and taught that subject really well. And so when you have a good one, it makes it great. And we have the best savior. We have the best master, the best king. And he is worthy of our service every day. And it is a delightful service, a delight to serve him. So that is our first point this morning. Whom do we serve? We serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't want to spend our strength or our abilities and talents on the things of this world that are going to be burned up and destroyed. We want to serve the Lord in something that's going to last for all eternity. And one day we're going to see our Lord face to face and he's going to say, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. To me, that's going to be, that's going to make it worthwhile for everything we went through. Jenny sang in that song today about all the trials we go through, and yet he's given us the promise, right? He's going to be there right on the other side. He's going to be there for us right on the other side. Secondly, why do we serve? Well, why why do we choose to serve the Lord? Can't we just become a Christian and say, well, now I'm going to heaven, and that's enough for me. I can just go to church. That's enough. I'm saved. I'm a Christian going to church. It's not enough. It wasn't enough that the Lord just came down to this earth to us. He had to go to the cross and he laid down his life for you and he laid down his life for me. He did that for us. And now we have the privilege of serving him as loyal, faithful servants. A story is told in the presidency of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. You know, he was the only president that served four Four-year terms. Four. He was elected to four terms. He didn't finish out his, his last one, but he was elected to four terms. And since then, they made a law that you can only be elected twice. You know, that's it. But he was, he was the president. He was president during the first part of World War II. And in his presidency, he had an advisor whose name was Harry Hopkins. And Harry Hopkins was a very close advisor to President Roosevelt. And during that time, when his influence was at its peak, Hopkins held no official cabinet position, but he was a close advisor to the president. So a lot of people didn't trust him. A lot of people thought he was a shadowy kind of sinister character that had so much influence on the president that he couldn't be trusted. And one day, one of the political foes said to Roosevelt, why do you keep Hopkins so close to you? You surely realize that people distrust him and resent his influence. Roosevelt replied, one day you may be sitting in this office and one day you may be looking at that door and you may be seeing people come through that door that want something from you. And everybody wants something for the president, right? And sure they do. But he says, you'll learn what a lonely job this is and you'll discover the need for somebody like Harry Hopkins who asks nothing but to serve you. Winston Churchill rated Hopkins as one of the half dozen most powerful people in the world in the early 1940s. 
And the sole source of Hopkins' power was his willingness to serve. Isn't that amazing? Hopkins, Harry Hopkins. Nobody's heard of him, right? Well, that's why he liked it. He didn't want to be heard. All he wanted to do was to serve the president. He didn't care who got the credit. All he wanted to do is serve. And that's the way we as Christians should be too. It shouldn't matter who gets the credit when we do something for the Lord, as long as he, the Lord Jesus Christ, gets all the glory. He deserves all the glory, all the credit for what we do. And that's why it's a duty to serve him, but it's a delightful duty. Because it's our have to and our want to meeting together. We have to serve him, yes, but we also want to serve him. And that's what makes it a delightful duty, not just a difficult duty. We don't claim any credit for ourselves. We're going to read Luke chapter 12, verses 42 to 48, to see how accountable servants were to their masters. Luke 12, 42. And the Lord said, Who then is a faithful and wise steward, whom his master will make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, at an hour when he is not aware and he will cut him in two and appoint him with his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself to do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with a few. And then here's the key. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. You know, the more you know about the Bible... The more teaching you've received, the more training you've received, the more responsible you are, the more responsible I am. And the Lord wants us to be his servants who are responsible to take what we've learned and how we've been trained and to use it for his glory. That's what it means to be a true servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word servant in the New Testament is the Greek word doulos, and it means to be a bond servant or a bond slave. And it's similar to another word, which is diakonos, which means deacon or minister. Both of these words are synonyms, and they speak to us of being at the Lord's disposal, at being at his beck and call. And just like Harry Hopkins was there to serve the president every day faithfully, didn't care what people said, didn't care what they thought of him, he was just there to serve the president. Well, we're just here to serve our Lord Jesus Christ. Let people talk. Let them say what they wish. They may think we're wasting our time serving the Lord, but it's no waste. It's no waste at all. We want to give of our best to him and he will bless us tremendously. He's promised to do it. And we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. One day, Queen Victoria of England said to Gordon of Havelock, she said these words. She says, when can you start for India? Well, he could have said, give me a couple weeks. How about six weeks? How about six months? I've got a few things to do here before I go to India to serve my country. He said, tomorrow. And when Jesus says something to us, we should be willing to say, here I am, Lord, send me, use me, 
Help me to serve you. We don't deserve it. We have nothing in ourselves to give, but he has equipped us and trained us so that we can serve him. And that's all by the grace of God. His commission is his enablement for the task. I don't know if you've ever heard the commercials on the radio and then sometimes probably on television too, but I, I like it. They have the nice piano music and it comes on Republic Bank. It's a pleasure to serve you. And I always like that commercial because every time I hear it, I think, you know what? It's a pleasure to serve the Lord. You know, it, it's a pleasure to serve the Lord. When I come and do my duties at the church, I consider it a privilege. Yes, it's a responsibility. I have a responsibility to do it, but it's a delightful duty. It's a privilege to serve the Lord. And sometimes I come to church, nobody else is here, and I'm doing it for the Lord, and I'm singing hymns or whatever it is. It's such a blessing. And some of our ministries are very out front. People see it. But there's a lot of other things we do behind the scenes. And those are even a greater blessing because the Lord is going to reward those things we do for him in the future. Bill Gaither has written so many great songs, and I love a lot, all of his songs. They're all great songs. But one of them that I really like, and we, we, have, we sang it, I think, not too long ago. The title of it is, The Longer I Serve Thee. It says, the longer I serve thee, longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The more that I love him, more joy he bestows. Each day is like heaven. My heart overflows. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. Can we say that today? The longer we serve Jesus, the sweeter he grows because we have that close relationship with the Lord and we consider it a privilege to serve him. And it is. We don't seek earthly recognition. We don't seek earthly rewards. We seek only to please him and leave everything in the future for him. You know, whenever we give to the Lord, he uses it so greatly in our lives. But, you know, when we grow up as kids, we have to learn to give. We have to learn to serve. It doesn't come naturally, but the Lord gives us the privilege of learning to serve him. That's why Heather and all the parents, Heather and Sung and and all the parents here that we have in the church are teaching your kids to serve the Lord. I think it's exciting. And and they're getting to do little things for the Lord. And they say, I did that for Jesus. And it's a blessing, right? I came across a very kind of humorous story, but it's a it's a beautiful story when you think about it. There was a 10 year old boy who walked into a hotel coffee shop and sat down. The waitress put a glass in front of his table and said, what would you like? And he says, how much is an ice cream sundae? She said, 50 cents. So he reached into his pocket and he started fumbling with some coins and he pulled out the coins out of his pocket and he says, well, how much is a plain dish of ice cream? She said, 35 cents. You know this had to be a long time ago, right? <laughs> ice cream costs a lot more than, than either of those prices nowadays. So she, he said, well, bring me the, the dish of ice cream. So she brought the dish of ice cream, and he ate the ice cream. He paid the bill. He walked out, and the waitress didn't give it another thought. But she came back, and she walked by the table, and she noticed that he had paid the 35 cents, but near the little plate there, you know how they how you get, there was two little, uh, three little coins, two, two nickels and five pennies, her tip. He had chosen to take the lower priced ice cream in order that he might have that for himself so that he could give that waitress the tip. 
Now, you think that's a small thing, right? But this little boy knew what it was about. He understood the concept. This woman is working. She needs her money. She needs to make a living. And so it's amazing how we as servants of Christ should have the humble attitude that everything we do for the Lord should be for him and not for us. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about what we give to him. It's about what we do for him. That is what makes it all worthwhile. That is true servanthood. And when you're a true servant of Christ, you're humble because you realize that everything you have has been given to you by the master. He's given us everything. And what a great story that is. And then our third point this morning is this. What will we receive as a result? The Lord promises that he will give us crowns. He will give us rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. We'll never be judged for our sins. Our sins are forgiven and we'll never face the great white throne judgment ever, ever, ever when you're saved. But when you know the Lord is your savior, the first stop in heaven before any other stop is the judgment seat of Christ. It's called the Bema in the Greek. And we're going to have to give an account for what we did for the Lord. And it's not going to work to give excuses at that day why we couldn't serve him more. Well, I was too busy with work. I was pursuing my career and that was important. Or I was too busy doing other things or other hobbies or other things, sports and different things that came up, Lord. We can't give that excuse. We have to stand before the Lord and give an account of our stewardship of what we've done for the Savior. And may it be that we can give him all the glory for what he has done. I mentioned that phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verses 11 to 15 about how we serve him. And he says this, no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, in other words, on Christ, you're a Christian, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw. Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on, on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. That should be a motivation for us right there that one day we want to get there and we want to have crowns to lay at his feet. Not crowns just for ourselves that we can say, look at me, look how much I did for the Lord, but crowns that we can place at the Savior's feet. That to me is the greatest result of serving the Lord is when we go into heaven, we see the Lord, we bow down before him and he says, good job. Well done. You did your best. You did all that you could. You served me no matter what people said or what people did. You were my loyal, faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And that is that right there makes it all worthwhile in what we do to serve him. Yes, we are unworthy servants. We are unprofitable servants. We're only doing what is our duty to do. And even though it is our duty and it is a delightful duty, he's promised to reward us for it. And that's by grace. If you look over to Matthew chapter six, verses one to four, the Lord Jesus in this whole portion and in that 
chapter in Matthew 6 is telling them to do things in secret. Totally opposite the way the Pharisees did things. Notice what he says. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. That's it. That's all they get. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You think God's going to miss anything you do for him? No, he sees it all. He hears it all. And he knows what we do for him, whether it's in secret or out in front. And he wants us to have that kind of humble attitude that says, Lord, I want to serve you not for personal gain, but for your glory. And that's what's most important, because we serve the greatest master for the greatest good and the greatest for his greatest glory. And one day we'll receive the greatest rewards for it. So let's remember today that our service is not a duty in the sense of the of a drudgery or something we have to do, but it's a delightful duty. It's something we want to do. We want to serve the Lord and we want to give him all the credit and all the glory. And those who serve the master find that he is the one we serve. We don't serve anyone else but the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is a blessing. And as the song says, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. And one day we'll receive a reward for this service that we've done to the Lord. And we'll be so thankful when all our earthly toils are done. And I wanted to read this poem today that I found that is a is a blessing. It's kind of a tearjerker when you think about it. I was reading this yesterday over too, and it was, oh, it's touching. The title of this before we pray is Searching for a Vessel. The Lord Jesus, is he's the master and he's searching for a vessel. Just close your eyes and listen to these words. The master was searching for a vessel to use. On the shelf there were many. Which one would he choose? Take me, cried the gold one. I'm shiny and bright. I'm of great value and I do things just right. My beauty and luster will outshine the rest. And for someone like you, master, gold would be best. Unheeding, the master passed on to the brass. It was wide mouthed and shallow and polished like glass. Here, here, cried the vessel. I know what I will do. Place me on your table for all men to view. Look at me, cried the goblet of crystal so clear. My transparency shows my content so dear. Though fragile am I, I will serve you with pride, and I'm sure I'll be happy your house to abide. The master came next to a vessel of wood, polished and carved, it stolidly stood. You may use me, dear master, the wooden bowl said, but I'd rather you use me for fruit, not for bread. Then the master looked down and saw a vessel of clay, empty and broken, helpless it lay. No help had the vessel that the master might choose to cleanse and make whole, to fill and to use. Ah, this is the vessel I've been hoping to find. I will mend and use it and make it all mine. 
I need the vessel with pride of it, of itself, nor I need not the vessel with pride of itself, nor the one who is narrow to sit on the shelf, nor the one who is big mouthed and shallow and loud, nor one who displays his content so proud, not the one who thinks he can do all things just right, but this plain earthly vessel filled with my power and might. Then gently he lifted the vessel of clay, mended and cleansed it and filled it that day, spoke to it kindly. There's work you must do. Just pour out to others as I pour in to you. May the Lord help us to be those vessels of clay, serving him willingly, faithfully, and joyfully as a delightful duty. Our Heavenly Father today, we thank you that Jesus Christ, your Son, came to save us. Lord, we were like those clay vessels. Lord, there was no usefulness in us whatsoever. We were ruined, we were marred, we were scarred by sin. And yet you chose us, Lord. You chose us, and you chose us as your vessels. And you pour into us, Lord, every day. And as you pour into us, help us to pour into others. Help us to do it humbly. Help us to serve you faithfully. Help us to give you all the praise and all the glory. And we just thank you, Lord, for the privilege of serving you. And we pray that we will do so uh, every day of our lives. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.